Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here today by Blake Alderman, our recruiting guru extraordinaire. Blake, I know you've had a busy last couple days uh, with the early signing period opening up on Wednesday. Why don't you, uh, I guess, go ahead and just fill us in on where Florida stands right now uh, coming into the, uh, coming pretty much out of the early signing period at this point. Yeah, Thomas, with Friday being the last day of the early signing period, uh, they just added Austin Barber. He's a three-star offensive tackle, uh, about 6'7", 295 um, out of Jacksonville Trinity Christian. They added his commitment. Uh, they offered him on Thursday evening, committed, I think, like an hour, if that, later. They signed him this morning. He, he'd signed on the dotted line, so he's officially in. Uh, Florida's class ranks ninth in the country, which is fifth in the SEC, which is kind of crazy just considering – you know, the monster recruiting bed that the SEC is because, uh, you know, a top 10 class is still only fifth best in the SEC. So um, it's pretty wild if you think about, you know, putting that in the Big 12 or in the Big 10 or some of these others. Obviously, that would factor a lot higher in the conference. But Florida signed 22 guys of their uh, 26 total commitments in the 2021 class. Uh, Many of those guys on defense. I think it's 14 of those guys are early enrollees. uh, So they'll be there in the spring. Um, I'm going to consider because – I'm not a negative guy, man. I'm not going to hear it. I'm going to fully expect that the spring football season is going to happen this year because I'm a positive person and I don't want to hear it. So it's good that the fact that Florida can, A, get those guys in the program, uh, whether that's strength and conditioning, whether that's watching film, learning the playbook, or even getting the guys on the field. So I think whenever you look at just the way that, you know, 2020 went with recruiting, uh, no visits, no coaches on the road, no spring evals, no official visits, all those things considered, uh, you know, Florida still added quite a lot of guys that they really liked on defense. Getting so many of those guys as early enrollees, I think, will help. Considering when you look at the class top to bottom, I mean, it was heavy defense uh, from D-line to linebacker to the secondary. Um, so, you know, getting those guys on campus early kind of helped with Florida how they've struggled on defense. There's no negatives there. So, uh, uneventful day, I guess, if you want to call it from signing day, considering that Florida had so many spots. A lot of those spots, or not, I guess, a lot, those a number of those remaining spots will go towards the transfer portal. Uh, when you look at the NCA, how they passed that, uh, you know, one-time immediate transfer thing, I think the transfer portal is going to be hot in 2020, man. I think that's going to be, you know, where, you know, the free agency is. So a lot of schools are doing that. I think it's smart for them to do that because the transfer portal can really bring in a guy that you don't have to wait on a waiver. You don't have to wait on will he play or will he not play. Um, certain areas, you know, defensive line makes a lot of sense for Florida. I think offensive line makes a lot of sense for Florida. Sure, there's some other spots you can make an argument for. So 
I think all in all, sure, Florida would have liked to land in some of those last couple targets. Considering their numbers crunch, I think there's some silver lining there that they can use those spots towards the transfer portal. Yeah, and when you say you're, you're talking about spots, just so, you know, I guess the casual listener knows, because a lot of the guys that subscribe to Swamp 24-7, obviously, you know, are hardcore recruiting guys. But for, for the people that don't know, basically the way it works is you've got an 85-man scholarship limit that you can't exceed by the start of fall camp. So you've got to whittle your numbers under 85 total scholarships by then. But you also each year only get to sign 25 initial counters. And what initial counters are are either high school prospects or transfers that transfer in. And so when Blake's talking about saving spots for transfers, what he's saying is, you know, they could have gone out and added maybe a couple more high school guys, but instead they opted not to pursue some of those guys or, or they're holding initial counter slots for potential transfers in because those transfers in do actually count against your initial counter limit for that year. So um, yeah, I do think, you know, listening to Dan Mullen talk about his class on Wednesday after they had had the bulk of it locked up, I think he felt similarly to you that, it was a very defensive heavy class that they basically signed guys at every position. You know, they feel really good about the linebackers that they brought in a pretty good you know, group on the defensive line again, which was, was really a need Blake, because we've talked about, you know, some of those seniors that could move on. You could be very young on the defensive line next year. And at any time you, you know, you don't have a lot of veteran production returning. It's important to go numbers at, at that position because, you know, young guys aren't always going to work out and they're certainly not always going to work out right away. So I think Florida did a pretty good job, you know, kind of hitting those needs. But uh, I am curious, Blake, you kind of mentioned it was not maybe a lot of buzz on signing day. And I think anybody that's listened to this podcast, uh, you know, when we've talked recruiting has kind of understood that was probably going to be the case just because they had so many guys already locked up as commitments early on. And then again, I think the, the difference with this year was just – you know, it was a little different in, in the fact that it's probably it was a good thing that Florida had most of their commitments locked up early on. What, what's your overall sense of um, concern? How pleased are you with, with where the staff is? Where's, where are you on that kind of sliding scale of how recruiting's going, so to speak? You know, I, I think you should be pleased with the top 10 class. Um, I, I think that that's great. You know, Mullen, I think this is his third straight. You know, we'll see how the numbers finish out there's still another signing day to come. There's still other guys that will announce because you know, when we are recording this still on Friday, some of these guys could have silently signed. There's guys that are obviously going to announce, um, you know, all American bowl things, different days in between. So, I mean, there's still some numbers that can work out. I think you should be pleased with the top 10 class, but I think the concern is, man, is, I mean, let me pull up the, the top five for the SEC. You've got Alabama, you've got Georgia, you've got LSU, Texas A&M, and then Florida at five. Don't play A and M every year. You don't play Alabama every year. You play them maybe in the SEC championship game. I believe they're on Florida's schedule even next year. But you know, a lot of these teams that are you know Georgias and LSUs. I mean, these are guys that are on Florida's schedule on the yearly. So I think that uh, I I think that Florida has done a better job each year um, recruiting a little bit better. I think that each year they they do a better job. You know, they're starting to land some more of those five star guys. You know, last year it was Javon Dexter. This year it was Jason Marshall. And even if you want to, like we were talking about numbers before, former five star running back Demarcus Bowman is going to factor into those numbers. He's initial counter coming out of the transfer portal. So that's another five star guy that Florida is going to add to their, to, you know, to, you could count them in the class. I know from a number standpoint, from 24 7's recruiting rankings and all this, that, and the other, those guys don't factor into the recruiting rankings, but it's still another guy, I guess, is what I'm getting at. They do a little bit better of adding guys to the roster. I think that Mullen does a really good job with roster balance. And I think when you look at this class, I feel like it's very balanced. I think that, 
you know, you look at the three linebackers they added. They've added some safeties. They still got a guy like Terry and Arnold who's still out there that's going to sign in February. Um, overall, I think the class it, it's it fills a lot of needs that heading into the cycle they, they wanted to hit. Heading into the cycle, we all knew that they were going to try to take a heavy defensive focus, and they did that. Um, you know, getting some guys that do different things. You've got a guy like Justice Boone who's more that strong side defensive end type. Um, you've got a guy like Desmond Watson, who is an interior defensive lineman, but he's, you know, pushing 400 pounds, 380, something like that. So he brings a different dynamic that Florida doesn't really have on the defensive line. You've got a guy like Tyreek Sapp, who's, uh, I think, more on the mold, if you want to call it, of Zach Carter, who can move around on the defensive line. Um, safety, they've got some guys that you can do different things. Um, you know, Corey Collier, who's probably more of an athletic type of guy that can move around. Then you've got a guy like Donovan McMillan, who's maybe more of a physical presence, you know, kind of a bigger frame, thicker type of guy. Um, so, I mean, I, again, what I'm getting at is I think Florida brought a lot of different dynamics to, their different cl- to the class from different guys. So I think from top to bottom, you know, I mean, even on the tight end position, you lose Kyle Pitts after the season more than likely. You bring in a guy like Nick Elsness um, and, and even Gage Wilcox. I think Gage fits more of the mold of what Keon Zipperer is. I think he's more of that H-backy type guy, whereas I think Nick Elsnicks is more of a, you know, a matchup nightmare, kind of like a Kyle Pitts. You know, right. sure, you don't sign a Kyle Pitts every year. I mean, those are guys that – I mean, he's really good, man. You know I mean? That's a guy that you just don't – you know, Whoa. doesn't just grow on trees. But I think Elksness, his ball skills, the way he's kind of built and he moves, I think he's more of that – matchup type uh, nightmare type of guy that you know that Florida is going to want to use in that mold of pits I guess is more so what I'm getting at so I mean sure top to bottom Florida's class I think filled a lot of needs I think closing things down could be a little bit better you know some of those guys that you know the late battles that go into signing day I mean this isn't just a this year thing I mean this has been the last couple cycles to where Florida has you know they've got some guys on the board still that are targets but they just don't get all the way there to the finish line on signing day so sure those things can go a lot better i guess the closing factor that's not something that i ha- haven't said before i think that they could do better there but i think for the most part the question you ask yourself is is you know florida had a lot of their spots locked up earlier this year would you rather those guys wait all the way to signing day and let them go through the process or would you rather get it done early so i think that there's some the silver lining there is that florida got a lot of their big time guys in the fold early, you know, sure, they continued to land some guys for the cycle, you know, in the fall, adding a guy here, adding a guy there. But, you know, for the most part, the big bulk of this class was done, I think, like heading into the fall as it was. Yeah. So, you know, it's good. You know, I think that Florida can do a little bit better. I'm sure that, you know, no coach in America is going to sit there and tell you that, you know, there's nothing better we can do, you know. So, and I think that continue to add the guys in the recruiting office like Mullen has had, you know, this this was an office that had two guys, you know, heading into whenever he first got hired at Florida. That's obviously expanded a lot more now. So, I think you're starting to see things pick up. You're starting to see more of that upper-tier talent that's starting to come into Florida. Do they need to add, you know, one or two, maybe three more of those elite type of guys, whether they're in the state of Florida or just in general, just elite guys? I definitely think they can do that. I think whenever you look at the SEC, I think that's a necessity for them just because it's so cutthroat. A lot of these teams you're going to play are recruiting. They're, you know, even if you look at the top, I think, six teams in the 24-7 sports team rankings, those are guys that have won a playoff game or have played in a playoff game. So, I mean, the usual suspects that play in those college playoff games are recruit. They're getting it down the recruiting trail. And I think if Florida wants to make that break into there, that's how they're going to have to do it. You know, continue on the, the, the foundation Mullins has built at Florida. I think he's getting in guys that, A, fit his, you know, his system, what he wants in a player. I mean, adding a couple more of those elite type guys, I think is one get, is going to want is going to get Florida to push through that door and get them into that conversation. Yeah, and that's nothing that we haven't said before, obviously. And I was going to point out, you know, when you were talking about the top five teams in the SEC from a recruiting standpoint, the one thing that jumps off the page to me is you look at it and 
you see the five, you know, 24 seven's got it broken down by a five stars, four stars, three stars in a column. So you can see it really visually. Alabama's up there, you know, with six, five stars, Georgia's got four, LSU's got two, Texas A&M and Florida have one each. But then you look at the, you know, the four stars as well. Florida's kind of in there on the numbers range in terms of four stars, but these other programs have fewer commits. And so they have less three stars. And I think, uh, you know, looking at Florida, 11 three stars in this class, you've, you've got an average prospect grade of 90, basically, whereas Alabama's, you know, darn near close to 95, Georgia's 93 and a half, LSU 93. So, you know, these are teams that you're regularly competing against. And again, I think Dan Mullen can make up a lot of that, you know, talent gap. And I, and I do think the gap is shrinking. And I think Mullen's done a good job of shoring up the bottom of the roster. But there is still a little bit of work to be done, I think. You know, and again, having said that, that doesn't take into account the transfer portal. I know you mentioned Demarcus Bowman's a five-star coming in. They've gotten guys that have produced like five stars in Jonathan Grenard. I think, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast previously. This is going to be a cycle where based on the guys that are graduating, Florida's probably going to have to go pretty hard in the transfer portal after really some elite type. Uh, I think an, an offensive lineman, you know, similar to what Stuart Reese did, if you can get a player of that caliber again. And then I think defensive tackle is going to be one that you really have to get a really quality starter there because you just, you're going to lose a lot off the interior of that defensive line. And, you know, we've seen what you need in the defensive line to, to be able to be successful in this league. And I think, I think, unfortunately, Blake, we're going to see it a little bit more on Saturday, Um, but we'll talk about all that. Any, any last thoughts on this early signing period, anything to watch going forward before we, uh, take a quick break and maybe get to Alabama in the SEC title game. I do want to double back on some things. You know, yeah, Florida has a lot of, you know, just the point you made about having the three stars in the class. There are some three stars in the class for sure. Probably a lot more when you look into the grand scheme of the SEC to the Alabamas and, and you know, the, all those, other, you know, the Georges and whatnot. But I will say some, some positives in those three-star guys is that a guy like Nick Elksness, Jordan Young, Christopher Thomas, um, Austin Barber, who Florida just signed on Friday, uh, Jalen Kitna. I mean, sure, there's some other three-star guys in there, but those guys that I mentioned, I think that they played their best ball as a senior. I think that going from junior year to senior year, sure, would fans like to sign more five-stars and more four-stars? Absolutely. But I think if you're going to sign a three-star or you're going to target a three-star, whether that's because the coaches are higher on them than, you know, the recruiting industry or whatnot, I think as a fan, when you look at those guys, those three-star guys are ones you want to see, a, you know, that production jump from junior to senior year. So I think that if you can find some kind of silver lining in those guys, I think it could be the fact that they played a lot better. Those are the kind of three stars you want to get. You don't want to go the other way to where you take a guy like a Javante Gardner, you know, not to pick on him or anything, but he's a guy that had committed to Florida early, had a better junior year than senior year. He's not in the class anymore. He signed with Jackson State. Um, He was a guy that Florida was looking to sign in February. They're going to keep an eye on things in the classroom for him. He signed with Jackson State instead early. So, you know, he's off the board, so to say, if you want to call it that. But I just, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a difference in a three-star. Those are the ones you want to get are the ones that have that higher trajectory um, that that play their better ball as a senior. And, you know, you hope that they take that next jump whenever they get there, you know, onto UF as freshmen. Well, that's why they pay you the big bucks because I'm looking at it and I just see a number, (laughs) you know, I don't cover this nearly as closely as you do. I know you eat, sleep and breathe it. So uh, yeah, Blake uh, has done a terrific job on Swamp 24 seven. If you haven't checked it out, he's still got a lot of content up there from the early signing period. And, um, you know, obviously he's keeping you, with all the latest on Florida recruiting, which, you know, should pick back up again pretty soon now that, uh, you know, the early signing period is in the books, you know, coaches really kind of focus on those last couple high schoolers and really start to begin to build their 2022 classes. So, all right, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back talking Alabama and the SEC championship game 
right on the other side of these commercials. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, obviously a very big game on tap this weekend, Florida versus Alabama. Kind of lost a little bit of the luster, obviously, when Florida tripped up last week against LSU. I think you, you had kind of expected that this would be for a, a sure spot in the playoff. I don't really think that's the case for Florida anymore. I know the Gators only dropped to number seven and theoretically if they were able to beat Alabama could still work their way into the playoff. I know Dan Mullen has kind of been harping on that case and kind of making his point that, Hey, the SEC's playing 11 conference games. Some of these other teams, you know, Ohio state's only going to play six, seven games. Um, you know, the ACC I think is pretty much on level footing with, with the SEC, but maybe not as many quality teams. So anyway, regardless the fact that Florida lost to LSU means the easy trip to the playoffs is out the door. Takes a little bit of the shine off this game. But Blake, if you were going to make a case for Florida to win this game, what would it look like? Mm. I would have to say, I mean, it's something that we've said before. Spot there. Uh, man, he did. I'm like sitting here thinking like, I don't think they're going to win. But if they did, I think the defense, it's, it, it's on the defense. I think you know that Florida's offense, what they can do. I think Alabama's defense compared to the start of the year, the, how they finished the year, they're night and day. Florida's defense didn't take that same route. Sure, there were areas that improved the defensive line, getting a guy like Kyrie Campbell fix things. The secondary is what really makes me nervous for Florida. I think when you look at what Alabama has just from Mac Jones, the, the, the talent that's around him as, as far as his playmakers, I think that those are the guys, and even the defense in general, they're going to have to make just a couple of those stops. They're going to have to get some turnovers. I think that that's how Florida's going to win this game because I, I think we both expect, will Florida's offense score enough points to win the game? Maybe. I, I think that if they're going let, let to – Let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. How many points would you have to score to feel even somewhat comfortable with Florida pulling it out? 40? I mean, somewhere I think, 40 I range, know, kind of in that same there. range, like minimum 40 to feel like yeah, you have at least, a shot. Like, I mean, it has to be 40s, somewhere in the 40. I mean, I don't know if it's high 40s, low 40s. I think that that's what you're going to have to do. And I think that Alabama has an offense that can put up that many points too. So it's not like Alabama, it's not your traditional Alabama team to where their offense is, is good, but their defense is just crazy good. And I just, you know, their defense is good enough this year. I think that Florida's off, that offense has been great this year. 
you know, if you look at Kyle Trask outside the LSU game, he's played great all year. He's got a lot of playmakers. I think he scans the field really well. I think that he's played himself into, you know, where you can trust him enough to where you think that if he plays the game that you think he should, Florida, he can he can pull it out for Florida. The defense for me is where the question is. I think they need a couple turnovers. They need a couple of those stops. Because if not, it's going to be a long day for them. Yeah, I think I completely agree with you. I will say, though, even the offense has seemed off lately. They're just yes. not as consistent. The red zone, I don't, I don't know that Kyle Pitts missed the LSU game, obviously. And, you know, whether or not that was necessary or not, who knows. But I do think – The way they a, played the last couple of weeks, you can't bring that out to Atlanta right. on offense. I mean. Exactly. No, you, you cannot be not finishing in the red zone, settling for field goals. You're not going to beat Alabama doing that. Um, but I think we have seen at various points this year that the offense is capable of putting together kind of that complete game where, you know, really it's only one or two drives where they have an issue as opposed to kind of what we've seen the last couple of weeks where it seems like four or five, six drives a game where they're not quite in sync. Um, but I, I agree with you. It's got to be on the defense. And really, I think when you look at how Florida has won games, they've won games by turning things into a shootout and coming up with, like you said, a couple stops, a couple turnovers. I think when you're looking at Alabama – given the, the, just the extreme amount of balance that Alabama has and their ability to run the football with Najee Harris, I think if you're Alabama and you're Nick Saban and you're coming into this game against Florida, the only thing, like you said, the only thing you're really concerned about is Florida's offense, right? And so how do you keep Florida's offense off the field? Well, you do what everybody else has done against Florida. You try to shorten the game, try to get a lead, and then shorten the game. And I think for Florida – to have any real shot in this game, I think that they're going to have to be able to make Alabama one-dimensional and try to force Mac Jones to beat you with his arm. And the way you do that is you beat Alabama up front on first and second down, where at least every now and then Mac Jones is having a third and long to convert. And he's going to convert a lot of those. I guarantee you he's going to convert a lot of those. We've talked all year about third and Grantham. You mentioned the secondary. You know, I don't feel confident in that group at all going against Devontae Smith and Mechie and, and some of the weapons that Alabama Isn't Waddle has. back in this game? Did I, did I miss yeah, that? Yeah, I believe he is. So, I mean, it's going to be, you know, all hands on deck for the defense. But I just think if you cannot find a way to slow Alabama's running game, again, given the inconsistency, unless Florida's offense just plays a perfect game and scores on every drive, I don't see any way that you win this game. Because, frankly, we, I mean, we haven't seen that out of Florida's offense lately. And at we've some been waiting point, for a complete game in general for most of the season. And, and that's, I mean, you I could think make that's the argument the for Arkansas, but I think that's the thing that's most frustrating for Florida fans is, <clears throat> you know, you keep hearing Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham talk about, oh yeah, we've gotten better as the season goes on, but really I'm not sure the results support that. And you can disagree with me if you want, but I, I think other than the defensive front playing a little stouter, I don't see kind of, improvement as a whole when you talk about this Florida team and again I think the offense to me has has gotten a little bit out of sync lately rather than you know as sharp as we've seen them at times and again injuries have played a part in that we talked about it on the last episode of the podcast I think the offensive line is not playing very well right now and at the beginning of the year that was a real strength I mean they were really pass protecting well lately it seems like especially in that LSU game you know, LSU wasn't really doing anything too exotic with its blitzes, and they were really making Kyle Trask uncomfortable. They struggled. They struggled. And, the and, offensive line did. And it showed that Kyle Trask is not as good as he is. He can be rattled. And when you're going into a game where everything has to go right, you're going to have to play, like we talked about in that Georgia game, you're going to have to play above your head in both of those trenches. And I really think the defensive line, the defensive front, to me, is more important than anything in this game. Unless you can stop Alabama some on first and second down – I just don't really see a way that you're going to 
get this game into the fourth quarter and, and allow Kyle Trask and the offense to have enough possessions that maybe you can capitalize on that halftime swing. You know, that was one of the big factors in the LSU game. Florida has been so good at dominating that middle stretch, you know, just before halftime and just after halftime. And guess who won that stretch Saturday LSU and Alabama is equally capable of kind of putting that last second stop together before the half or going out and scoring on their first drive. So that's going to be really something to watch. Um, I don't know, Blake, I guess I'm going to ask you this, uh, which who scares you most on Alabama? I think it's Mac Jones. I think this, the fact that what you've done for most of the season, Florida's defensive line, they lead the SEC in sacks, or they did. I, I, I think they still do. I haven't looked at the stats. I don't have it in front of me, but I know that they've been up there, if not one. They're, they're two now. I mean, either way. I think that you have to get to him. You have to get to him because that's just where I have more faith at on Florida's defense is that defensive line. You have to get him in those third and longs. You have to get him in those long conversions there's a wealth of guys, <laughs> they're playmakers, maybe even Najee Harris too, just because the fact that if you can, if that's the guy you have to stop to make them one dimensional, you have to stop Najee Harris. But I just think that the way that Mac Jones has facilitated a lot of those playmakers for Alabama, I think it just makes him the guy that you feel like that if Florida can get their hands on him, they can get and make him uncomfortable. Like how LSU made trash last weekend. I think it could kind of change some dynamics on their offense. Yeah. I think, um, I, there's no doubt you have to be able to rattle Mac Jones. I, I go. Najee Harris is a great candidate though, too. Yeah, that's I go why back to. I think the way that you rattle Mac Jones is you you got to be able to come up with some first and second down stops and put him into some third and longs where again you have a little bit of time to actually get after him and he, he's not able to just throw a four yard slant for a first down on third down. Um, I, I think turnovers are going to be big. You know, obviously Florida has not been particularly sound with the football lately, holding on to it and. Um, they're so they're, the, the turnovers on defense come in such spurts that it's hard to really count on them with this Florida unit. You know, as disruptive as they've been, I don't know that it's a unit that's been very good coming up with consistent takeaways. And I think some of that speaks to the talent level in the secondary not quite being up to you know true Florida defense standards. I think another thing. Uh, let me let me shift gears a little bit. Actually, I, I'm curious now that Florida has lost to LSU. Let's 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 open it up and talk a little bit bigger picture because I think I'm safe saying that neither of us thinks Florida's winning this game. What has to happen for you to come away from this game feeling like things went well or to have like a kind of a positive outlook on where this season ended up? Where do I think that things need to go well? Yeah, how would this game have to play out such that you feel like in terms of result, what does it have to look like for you to feel like that was like – Florida took a step forward. I think just showing some signs of life in the secondary, keeping it close. Um, just like you said, Florida's secondary has not played in what you would think in a true fashion Florida defense. I think if you can play somewhat of a, a complete game on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, I think that that gives you – because I don't know that a lot of Florida fans – I mean, I'm sure there's some that think Florida can win. I'm sure there are some that are hopeful. Would they love Florida to win? Absolutely. But I think you know, probably on a consistent basis, I think most fans think that Alabama is going to win this one. And I think that showing it close, you know, just, just playing that complete game on defense in the secondary, to me, it just on the secondary. I think that if you can show some signs of life and you can show some signs of improvement, you know, making some of the changes that, you know, that they have known that have, have been kind of their Achilles heel for most this year. Um, I think it's those. I think, I think, it, you know, if you can see the defense show some signs of improvement just because, the offense has struggled for the most part, you know, in these last couple of games, they haven't quite been the same, I guess, if you want to call it that. But I think we feel more confident. I think we know what we can see from the offense. I, I think that if 
if they're having a good day, you know Florida's going to score points. I think for me, it's just showing some signs of life on the defense. Because, I mean, if this is a game that doesn't get you hyped up, you know, playing the SEC championship game, having a chance to go into the college football playoffs with a win, because you have to win to get into the college football playoffs. You know, dethroning a chance of, you know, beating the number one team in Alabama. Those are the type of things that should keep these players hype. If you can't have a, you know, be on high alert or, or you have your blood boiling or be ready to play in this game, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this is the type of game that, you know, the defense should come out inspired for. Um, and I think that showing that inspiration from them, showing that they can play, um, you know, kind of stopping, you know, I, I guess just showing – what showing on the field what a lot of people don't think they can do I think that that can carry on to some confidence going forward I think you're absolutely right for me I, I break it down this simple are fans still watching in the fourth quarter I think if 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 fans and and I mean not just not just Florida fans because obviously a lot of Florida fans people if people are still what, watching this game are people around the country still interested in this game in the fourth quarter that to me if you can make that happen at this point given everything that's happened given the you know the the personnel issues that Florida has on defense, given the fact that this is a pretty flawed team still, I think you'll go into the off season feeling like Florida took a step forward in 2020. If you can go toe to toe with Alabama for three quarters. And the other thing about, you know, getting it into the fourth quarter this year, it's, it's going to be harder to keep people tuned in because this is an eight o'clock game. You know, it's not your typical 4 PM start. So if you're keeping people up late to me, you've done the right thing as floor at Florida. And I don't know how that's going to look exactly again. I think it's going to come down to shutting down the run a little bit for Florida. Uh, I think the offense has to execute a lot more crisply. But for me, I, I think at this point, I, again, I, I don't expect Florida to win this game. Um, I'm not even sure I expect it to be all that close. So from my standpoint, and, and I'm sure there are fans out there that disagree with me that that would still be disappointing if Florida loses by two touchdowns, you know, and Alabama pulls away late. But <laughs> – yeah, I know my mentions Please are going to be a mess. But I just think if, if this game's competitive for four quarters, I look at it and say Florida took steps forward and they didn't they didn't quite execute all the way around. The LSU loss was a was a big setback. But year over year, you went from 10 wins to 11 wins. You went from 11 wins to a spot in the SEC championship and giving yourself a shot in that game. To, On top okay. of getting the, the monkey off your back of, of Georgia, beating right. them too. And you beat Georgia, of, exactly. I, I think there's plenty of positives if you can come away from Saturday thinking we didn't even deserve to be there. And there, there are going to be people that think that if Florida gets blown out on Saturday. And there's going to be Florida fans that think that if they get blown out on Saturday. So this is really a gut check game for me. You know, I, like you said, how can you not get hyped for this one? This is what they talk about all offseason. This is what you go to college to play these types of games. I mean, and we're going to find out anywhere. We're going to find out how strong these guys are mentally because it's not going to be easy to shake off that LSU loss. I mean, there, there's no, there's no sugarcoating it. These guys know that they had a shoe in spot for the playoff if they had beaten LSU and then go out there and beat Alabama. Now, if you beat Alabama, you're not even assured a spot in the playoff. So it, it was a tough mental setback, but I do think there are still a lot of potential positives that could come out of this but you can't show up like you did in 2015 and 2016 and, and it not be a game. And it'd be very abundantly clear that it's not going to be a game by the time the fourth quarters or the first quarters over, you know, you want to, you want to go into halftime feeling like, okay, a couple adjustments and we're right in this thing or, or even better, you know, you go into a halftime with a slight lead and you're thinking, Hey, we just we try to hold on to this thing and who knows. Um, but I think, you know, for Florida fans, this game is going to, it's going to shape their outlook going into year four for Dan Mullen. And that's no small thing because as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, Blake, the margins for error in the sec, as you get deeper into your coaching tenure, uh, they, they shrink pretty quickly and momentum can really swing one way or another in a hurry. So I, I think this is a huge game for Florida. I'm excited to see how they come out. 
you know, this is, like you said, this is why they play these games. Contrast, having a terrific year in the Heisman Trophy running. Let's see what you got, kid, and, and hopefully we can come out Saturday and watch a competitive football game. Preach, TG. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I do want to reiterate, uh, let's, let's go ahead and try to get some five-star mailbag questions in. I know we didn't really get to it today. We had a lot to cover with the early signing period to recap and then obviously previewing a little bit this Florida-Alabama game. But if you guys drop us a five-star review on iTunes and leave us a question in that review, we will answer it on our next episode of the podcast. And we'll be back on Monday breaking down the SEC championship game. Thanks for listening today, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.